Have you ever wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? You know, the thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world more like Jesus than we found it. I know, and that's why I'm here. My name is Rebecca Dotson-George. I'm a speaker, writer, career coach, and just all around excited to be in your earbuds for the next few minutes. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering you on as you make God known in and through your creative mission. Here's the thing though, I know sometimes you can get discouraged. I'm not good enough. I don't know where to start. I can't do as good of a job as she's doing. These are all lies that we sometimes believe and I'm here to help you debunk those lies that are ruling your mind about your mission and replace them with truth from God's word. So. Buckle up, because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. Welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Do you ever get to the end of a podcast and just think, man, I am not done with that conversation. Girl, me too. And I love hearing from you about how not only the show is encouraging you, but also what God is stirring up in you as a result. And I just really wanted the opportunity to connect one-on-one with more of you. And that's why I've created a Patreon community. Patreon is an online platform that hosts bonus content and provides creators a way to hang out with their audience in a more intimate way. So here's how I'm going to use it. There are three tiers. First is the bestie tier, which will include access to the platform and extra conversations with all our guests that only Patreon besties will get to hear. These questions will not be shared here on your podcast platform. Then there's the VIP party tier. This includes the bestie tier and you get invited to a VIP party once a month on Zoom where we get to hang out, get to know one another better and maybe do some coaching in a group session from time to time. And then finally, there is the calling coach tier. In this tier, you'll be able to access the previous tiers plus have a 30 minute coaching call per month with me to talk about anything podcast, ministry or career related. How fun does this sound? So come on over to Patreon by downloading the app or visiting patreon.com and search Do The Thing Movement. I can't wait to meet you inside the community. Hey friends, we have a really important conversation coming for you today. I loved my time with Nicole Eunice talking about her new book, The Miracle Moment. It's all about conflict. How do we handle it well? How do we handle it in a Christ-like way? This is a conversation that we don't have enough. And I loved unpacking this topic with her. And I think you're going to love it too. This is one that you're going to you're gonna finish this episode and you're going to hop on over to Amazon and you're just going to go buy her book. And I hope that it encourages you as much as it did me. So help me welcome our new friend, Nicole, to the show. Nicole, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being with me. I am so excited that we get to be together. There's nothing I love more than these conversations. I picture all of our listeners with us. We're just like in one big like coffee hour together. So (laughs) I know I, I always say, I just want this to feel like we're sitting on my living room couch with a cup of coffee. That's just like my heart. And so Mm. I'm so excited um, about your new book that we get to talk about now. It's called the miracle moment. And I always love hearing like the story behind the story of like how books came to be. So like share a little bit of the backstory of this book with us. Absolutely. You know, I mean, every, 
every story, just like every birth of anything, a ministry, something new in your life, your children, whatever, always has that story. And for this one, um, I was coming out of a transition and sort of into a new season, which is a whole nother podcast because I I just was on with another uh, young couple and we were talking a lot about seasons of life and, and really trusting God in those changes where mm-hmm. sometimes you move from being in the spotlight to pulling back for other important things. So I was moving into a transition to be more flexible with my three teenagers and my editors, this is, um, I think my sixth book actually flew out to spend the afternoon on the couch with me. And just, they were like, tell us your heart, just tell us the things that you care about. And this whole idea of ways that I've seen, um, communicating in marriages in families and in leadership that, the actual, like the moments where I see relationships break down that to me are so related to the deep work of self-awareness, self-expression and self-respect, like boundaries from boundaries to emotional intelligence and how people get hurt and things fall apart, all built on the way that a person really engages in their relationship, especially when things get hard. And that really became the origin story behind this book. It was like, well, let's write a book about how you do that. And we had no name. It was just the untitled book on relationships. And uh, after the book was written, my editor called and she was like, hey, I think you titled your book and you don't even know it because you talk about this idea of a miracle moment is not the moment when you have the fight, which I think is one of those things that we really have to break through is that we're not called in this life to not have conflict. Like you can't be perfect enough to not have conflict. So miracles aren't about avoiding conflict or somehow not having conflict, being in such agreement that you don't have conflict. Miracles are about after the moment where you shut up or blow up or give up and you lean in instead, you realize and you recognize I'm in a moment here and I have a choice to make about the way that I pursue connection with this person. It's my next move that matters. And so that's, that became the book. Okay. This is so good. We don't have enough conversations about this. So thank you for writing what was probably a really hard book to write. (laughs) (laughs) If you're anything like me, because I, I'm probably one of the most conflict averse people that you will mm-hmm. ever meet. I hate it. It makes me, it makes me creepy crawly. Um, so I want to talk for a minute to my people who, who feel like me. So tough conversations can feel super straining to yeah. some of us. And so what would be sort of your advice to somebody who maybe it makes them feel like they want to crawl in a hole and die, yeah, to, you know, just use verbiage that we know. Sure. Yeah. And I, um, even though I have a strong personality at the end of the day, I really don't, I hate conflict too. And I love harmony. So I'm writing as like a fellow journeyer. I'm not writing from a place of like, Hey guys, I like, I'm, I eat conflict for, for breakfast. I love, you know, to throw a grenade in the middle of a dinner party. It's so fun. I'm not that way. So I really have come into this from my own place of being like, why is this so hard? Why do I feel like I'm like backed into a cage or I just want to run for the Hills? Like the minute that I have this moment where wires cross and because it's been my work. So my, I've, I sort of started in fitness. I was a, I was a fitness director, a personal trainer, cared about helping people and their body and their life. And then I was a therapist. So I cared about the mind and I kind of tried to take body, mind, spirit into this book to say, what is going on? You described creepy crawly and you described these moments where your stomach clenches your, and that really is 
this deeper place of like there is something inherently threatening about conflict and and our um, unique shape of what is inherently threatening is different and it is based on our upbringing and our life and our emotional triggers and why I wrote this book for all of us who are conflict diverse is because I want to say to all of us, hey, there's more out here than that. What worked for you as a kid does not have to work for you now. Mm. And you are actually stealing from the people you love when you don't give them your fullness. And so when you back out or you back down or you shy away, there's a part of you that is not being, is not in its fullness with the people in your life. And you do, I write, I write about this a lot in the book because I'm like, let's not even get started if you're not committed to the work because you do have to decide and commit to who you want to be. And you have to ask the question, who do I really want to be? That will give you the energy you need to do hard work because it is hard work. It's actually really hard to become a person that's different than who you are right now. (laughs) So I'm committed to that hard work um, with folks and with myself and it's joyful and joyous and God's in it, but it definitely is a commitment for sure. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So there is this phrase that as I was reading through just some material to get prepped, um, I love this so much. It's this thought of how the word nice can be our enemy. Okay. I want to talk about that. Yeah. And how, how do we bravely step into conflict with confidence? Cause when I think of somebody who bravely tackles conflict, who bravely tackles conflict with confidence. I think of like a, a very rash, harsh mm. response, or maybe somebody listening will think that, and I, this is not that that's not what right. we're talking about. So like, how do we do this well? And why is nice our enemy? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I write about the nice disorder in uh, the book and my, one of my editors was like, can you cite your source on this? I'm like, no, there's no source. I just made it up. It's not a thing. <laughs> It is a thing, but it's not a thing, but it is a thing. So I talk about this idea of just like this inability to say no, inability to stand up and like a consistent pattern of that. Now there, there of course is a place and a time to subjugate our needs for the needs of others. But when we have a persistent, consistent pattern of that, which is truly like a place of fear, then that really does become a disorder because we aren't we actually aren't having integrity. And I know I'm saying tough things. So someone listening might be like, I don't like you, but I'm like, girl, I'm your big sister. I was going to just tell you the truth. And it's because I, I love what's in us and I want what's in you to be expressed because you have value to bring to the world and you matter. And so when you're just consistently subjugating what you're feeling and experiencing, which is the way you've been wired and to have purpose in the world. Purpose is not about like, I started an international nonprofit. I wrote a book. Great. If that's your purpose, that's fantastic. But your purpose is to be the fullness of yourself in the relationships that are right around you right now. That is your deepest purpose is to be a disciple who is known by your love. And what I would actually submit to consider is that overly nice is not loving. Because it's not honest. Um, And you have reason for the things that you feel. So one of the ways that we can flip the script on conflict, like you said, like you feel like I'm coming into battle and I'm not that kind of person, is that conflict is actually about connection. 
it's not about distance. Conflict creates distance, but entering into conflict can create connection. Mm -hmm. And if we can sort of change our mindset to be like, this isn't a competition. This isn't a zero-sum game where one person wins and the other loses. This is a win-win experience where I want to enter in with this person I love because my ultimate goal is connection. And as long as I'm holding back stuff, I'm telling you what, it's coming out sideways. It may not come out right now, but when you hold in frustration, disappointment, miscommunication, ways that you don't feel understood, it will express itself eventually, whether that expresses itself in physical illness, anxiety, depression, resentment, frustration, passive aggressive comments, the way that you deal with the outlet, the way that you engage on social media, all of those things are outlets for stuff that we are not actually dealing with, usually with people closest to us. So that's why I care so deeply about it. It's a completely different mindset than this idea of I'm going to win or I'm going to dominate or I'm going to be selfish. That isn't what conflict, this kind of conflict is really about. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, I'll say from experience, I don't think any, I don't think there's been a greater teacher of how to navigate conflict than marriage for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I mean, until you're living with another human and you you're in that covenant relationship, um, there's a lot that I hadn't really had to deal with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Or I, you know, you can, you can navigate you can cope in friendships with bad coping mechanisms for conflict. Sure. But it's going to come out in your marriage. Right. And so um, I've been married almost two years. So definitely still a newlywed. newlywed. Still working through a a ton of stuff. Right. But I was going to say, that's what I usually say when I marry, um, when I officiate weddings, I'm like, Hey guys, I need you to commit to me. That if you want to throw in the towel in year two or three, you need to come back and see me. Like, I will do your wedding if you'll do that because I write about it in the book, but it really, it almost didn't go for me. I mean, we at year two and three, what you're just saying, like the pattern of conflict, the way, the consistent misunderstanding, they're just missing each other on really important things. I just was done. And I, I mean, you can read about it, but so I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And we all come to marriage with a different set of life experiences Mm -hmm. and and even the way that we were brought up. And I'd be curious, we don't have time to go into that today, but it's interesting. (laughs) That's a bonus episode. That's a bonus episode to think about just even the way that we were raised, how that Mm -hmm. impacts the way that we think about conflict or the way that we respond. Anyway, there's so much there that I'm sure you have back in the book. But one of the things that you talk about is just some ways that our communication is secretly hurting Mm -hmm. our relationships. Yeah. Um, Talk about this a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, this is learning and understanding that we might have patterns in our life that are actually leading us to distance, not into connection that we've picked up probably right from like our patterns. One of those is the nice disorder. It's like, I'm not ever going to say no, or I'm going to say no in a way that isn't no. And I'm actually just going to be secretly resentful that you don't understand my signals, particularly in marriage. This is really, really clear. Um, So that's one of them. I'm actually doing a little series on Instagram. So you can go back and watch my reels where I just put together like a few like quick ones. And one of them is also like not acknowledging emotional triggers. So you find yourself overreacting to an experience that in the moment, you know, you've got to be honest with yourself and say, the way that my husband just handled emptying the dishwasher I overreacted to that. Now I may have valid other stuff going on, but 
I'm overreacting now. What's a really important thing that's a little bit gender specific, not always, but sometimes, is that sometimes an emotional overreaction, particularly for men, is a shutdown. And that we do, a lot of times women don't perceive that as emotional because it's not outwardly emotional, but actually that shutdown for any of you guys who've ever experienced that with a boss, a spouse, a coworker, the face goes poker face, the body goes down, maybe the arms crossed. I mean, to me, when that would happen with me and my husband in our early years of marriage, I was literally like somebody went ding, ding, ding in the boxing ring. And I was like, oh, now it's go time. Nothing set me off like that kind of shutdown. And what was happening is that I didn't understand that that was actually an emotional reaction. He yeah. was triggered as well. But that trigger was so unknown to me that it would literally... I, I mean, it was, I would see red. I mean, I was would charge the man. I just could not handle it. So one of those ways that we mess up our communication is not being aware of our emotional triggers and being humble enough to say, there is something here for me to learn. Like something's probably going on that I want to address. But if I overreacted to the moment I was in, I owe that person an apology. It is not okay to overreact and call it, well, you made me do it, or you always do this, or you never do this, or this is the this is the pattern we're always in. It's like, well, yeah, but you did overreact in that one moment. Now you yeah. can use that moment and it can become a miracle moment if you can come back around to it and say, I, I'm sorry. I, I basically teach how to actually give an apology in the book. And I'm like, I was wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. What can I do to make it right? And then you can say, but actually I'm realizing that something's going on with me. Is there another time that we could talk about something that's coming? Like I'm realizing that I'm carrying something that I'd love to talk about. That's mature, right? And it's not because we're not going to have those emotional triggers. It's how what to do with them, how to use mm -hmm. them and understand them. So that's another example of like a way we sabotage our communication and we don't even know that we're doing it. Yeah. Gosh, we do it all the time. That's so mm -hmm. good. So there's something that we do around here that I love. And we have a Patreon community, which basically means uh, one of the ways that we use that is we allow our patrons to ask our guests questions, which is really mm -hmm. fun. Awesome. And so um, we got a question turned in for you from our friend Janelle. And she asks, this is related, unrelated to this topic. It's actually can be really related, but it's what <laughs> would you say to someone who is struggling to step out and be the leader God made her to be? Mm, great question, Janelle. I actually really like the way it's worded because if Janelle was here with us, I would say, tell me more about knowing that you're the leader that God made you to be. Because mm. um, there's a lot that's a loaded question because mm -hmm. that basically to me says, Janelle, that you do know that you have leadership gifts. You do know that there's a place for you to step into because a lot of us are going to ask that question. Yeah. What is it? Leadership looks a lot of different ways. If we're believers, mm -hmm. we're leaders. If you're a believer, you have influence and that means you are a leader on some, in some capacity, the capacity, you know, the size, as one of my friends said, the size of your plate may be different depending you, know, you might have a salad plate you might have a platter of bandwidth and what's going on in your life but we're all called right to to that plate and so janelle i think that if i was going to say like what would you say to someone is the question confidence was that what the beginning part was because i hooked on to the second part uh she didn't specifically say confidence but i definitely think that's that could be a piece of it yeah okay so it's what what do you, what, what would you say to a leader who needs to step into their leadership is yeah. trying to figure out how to do that Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I think 
One thing that I would want you to know that God's really laid on my heart since I started ministry is there's this way that we see people, right? I mean, we're having this conversation and for many people, this conversation might feel like you and I have made it. Whatever made it means we did, right? And I remember that feeling uh, like I had all of this wiring and yet there was no opportunity to use it. My children were young. I had three kids under the age of five and I was so frustrated. And what I realized is that I was buying into the lie that I was missing some kind of skill or I had, I was missing a connection. And I used to joke, this was back in the early, like this was back in the probably early 20, 15 years ago. I'd be like, I guess I can't be a Bible teacher because I'm not a female from Texas. Like, yeah. and just, I guess I can't be a pastor because I'm not married to one. I mean, and those were real, yeah. I would joke, but it wasn't a joke. I really was living into this belief system that I am missing an essential element. I am missing a skill. I am missing a relationship and therefore God is going to pass me by. And what I realize now that I've done and been able to do some of the work that I had hoped to do at that time was, no, I wasn't missing any of those things. I was being seasoned by God for the door to open. I wasn't missing something. Janelle, you're not missing anything. It's not about some sort of skill necessarily, although you you will acquire skills. You will acquire experience, but it's not because something's essentially missing from you that you are not seeing your leadership like fully realized. And that is actually, I think, what can hold us back because now we've wrapped our identity into this calling and we think that we are somehow failing like we're we're a failure and instead i would say look around you and think about the try to get capture the essence of who you are because the essence of who i am when i was a counselor one on one in a in a private practice therapy office or i host a podcast or speak on a stage the essence of what i'm doing is actually exactly the same it may look to the world like when i'm on the stage i've made it but it's not To me, I've made it when I'm sitting with a friend at coffee and the friend says to me, that was a great question. And I'm like, victory, because God's made me to ask great questions. That's the kind of leader I am. So Janelle, I would encourage you to listen to the spirit about the kind of leader you are, and then look for opportunities to be that leader. Even if that is a very small setting, don't get caught up by the big setting. My one of my mentors used to say to me, you determine the depth of your relationship with God. He determines the breadth. He determines the width of your of your ministry. So, we're responsible for the depth of relationship. How do I enter into my life believing this is a spiritual life? believing that God is calling me into relationships right here, right now, even if those relationships are three children under the age of five, those are powerful, impactful leadership moments, whatever that moment is, believe in the depth of your relationship, God will determine the breadth of what you can handle. And one more thing, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm telling y'all, when I actually realized some of what God had placed on my heart. So in the year 2000, I went to seminary. I became ordained as a pastor in 2015. So the 15 years between, 15. When I looked back, I thought all I could think was, thank you, God, that you held me back because I was not prepared yeah. for what this will take. And I just share that to any of my younger leaders out there. Like, yeah. do not borrow trouble. <laughs> <laughs> don't just trust that God is going to open those doors at the right time, but you are responsible for the character of your life. Yep. So this is the time 
to not live into niceness, to understand healthy boundaries, to be really loving, to have those confrontations. That's the stuff you need so that when the doors do open, you're actually equipped, you're anchored, you're rooted, you're strong. Yeah, that's so good. I was just having a conversation this week with a friend about my book and Mm. I, I was just thanking God that his timing is so much better than mine. I saved up just dollars out of every paycheck to go to my first writing conference about six years ago. Okay. Thought I had written the best book proposal the the world had ever seen. What'd you you say? (laughs) What writing conference was it by the way? It was She Speaks. She Speaks. Okay. So my first writing conference was the Festival of Faith and Writing in Grand Rapids. I remember this feeling so much like, this is it. This is it, right? Everybody told me no. I went back three years later, everybody told me no again. And it just was not, it was my timing and not Mm -hmm. God's. And Mm -hmm. last summer, God opened a door and I reconnected with an agent that um, had told me no twice at conferences Uh and signed me last summer. And we're about to pitch my first book, which feels crazy. That is awesome. Um, But it's such, such a different book, such a Uh much more me and much more God book than it was seven years ago. Yes. And I just want to echo what you just said, because it's Mm -hmm. so true, whether it's a book, whether it's a ministry, whatever we're talking about. um, That's so good. Okay. So real quick, what we're going to do is go over to Patreon. We're going to talk to Nicole a little bit more and get to know her better. So if you are a subscribed patron, make sure you go listen to that conversation. But for this part of our talk, Nicole, I just want to thank you so much for being with me. Thanks, you guys. I'm so glad to be here. And um, I know it was a quick conversation, but hopefully it gives you a little nugget. And I have a podcast if you want to pop over. If you like this kind of conversation, this is what we do over on my podcast. So jump on over. I love it. Okay. What's the name of it again for people? It's called Let's Be Real. Let's Be Real. Let's Be Real. Oh, that's so good. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I am so thrilled to have you be a part of this community. I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, did you know that when people rate and review podcasts on Apple Podcasts, it actually helps more people come across the show? And when that happens, the messages we're sharing get spread even further and we get to encourage more people. I can't think of anything more fun than that. So it would mean the world to me if you would do something that would take just two minutes of your time. Hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a written review. Tell me all about how the show is encouraging you and invite others to listen in. It truly means the world to this girl on the other side of the mic. And then number two, if you're loving the show and want even more content from Do The Thing Movement, hop on over to our Patreon page on your desktop or mobile device to listen to after the show bonus interviews, attend live Zoom parties, and receive extra coaching. Simply download the Patreon app or do it on your desktop device and search Do The Thing Movement. I would love to see you over there in that community. Thanks again for listening, and I can't wait to be back with you next episode. Same time, same place. Bye, friends.